That's what I'm talking about. So Ben and his wife Casey have been a part of uh, Crestview since uh, last fall when he started a new position at uh, Manhattan Christian College in the admissions department, and we're excited to have him here. Here we go. Thanks, Steve. Happy New Year, Crestview. I hope you had a great Christmas and a great New Year's. It's a great day today. The sun is shining, and the Patriots lost last night. Yes, yes. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I I work in the admissions department at Manhattan Christian College, and I also have another role that that I'm involved at the school. I'm the chaplain for the men's basketball team. It's my guys right there. Yeah, there we go. Hey, family on three, family on me. One, two, three. Those are my guys right there. So appreciate them coming out. Now I'm, I'm ready to preach now. I'm ready to go. But uh, you're, you're here today and you might think, man, that, that doesn't look like Devin. I know Steve mentioned it already. And you're right. And, and please, if you don't like the sermon today, do two things for me. One, lie to me anyways, okay? <laughs> and number two, just rejoice in the Lord. The Devin will be right back here next week preaching. <laughs> Before I get started today, I, I just want to say thank you to uh, Crestview. Uh, we really appreciate your support that you've faithfully given Manhattan Christian College through the years. And, and without you, um, and without churches that will partner with the school, uh, we're not able to continue to, to function in our mission to educate, equip, and enrich Christian leaders. And so you play a very vital role in that for us to raise up people, to send them out, to make a difference for Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing about Manhattan Christian College is that uh, if you do the dual degree program with Kansas State and say you get a degree in engineering or you get a degree in teaching, whatever it is that you do, uh, we don't view you as a a teacher. You are a missionary who happens to be in the teaching field. If you're an engineer, we don't view you as an engineer. You're a missionary who happens to be in engineering. We love Crestview at MCC and we really do thank God for your partnership. Anyways, I'll give you a little snapshot of who I am. I grew up in Tonganoxie, Kansas. Has anyone heard of Tonganoxie? Yeah, big shout, T-Town. Um, we are right in between Lawrence and Kansas City. And Tonganoxie is a thriving metropolis that has a Sonic, and it's got a little coffee shop, and it's got a pizza place. So we're just killing the game out in Tonganoxie. Interesting fact about my high school, uh, we have a drive your tractor to school day. At Tonganoxie High School. Yeah, I, I never did it. There were a couple times I thought about busting out the riding mower, but it didn't happen. But I graduated from Tonganoxie High School in 2009. And when I was a senior in high school, I had no intention of going into the ministry. Uh, my dream and my goal was always to go to the University of Kansas and to study broadcast journalism and to, to do sports radio or to do play-by-play. Uh, I had an opportunity to walk on on the basketball team. And... <laughs> I hate that people laugh, like, immediately. Like, there, I, there, there's a couple times I think I got a few middle school girls that were convinced, but that's about it. But my, my senior year of high school, that was what it was all about. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to end up in Lawrence. And my youth pastor nominated me for a scholarship that Manhattan Christian College um, gives out. And you, you go and you interview for it. And I was so honored that he nominated me um, until I found out that he nominated all of the seniors in our youth group. Uh, <laughs> But I, I still went, and I interviewed for the scholarship, and it was really fun. I you know, got a day out of school. I spent a night in the dorms, got a free meal out of the deal. And after the dinner, uh, the pastoral professor at MCC, Dr. Russ York, he spoke that night, and he said a, a couple of sentences that, that have stuck with me, and I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. 
he opened the night. He said, what are your dreams? Are your dreams God's dreams? And I got to tell you, that hit me right between the eyes. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you felt like the pastor was talking directly to you or you feel like God was, was speaking directly to your soul and to your spirit. But that was one of those moments for me. And instead of going to KU, I headed 90 miles west on I-70 to attend Manhattan Christian College and Kansas State University. Uh, I earned a degree in Bible at MCC and communication studies from K-State. I graduated from college in 2013, and then I did youth ministry in Kansas City for five and a half years at Legacy Christian Church, um, and I loved my time up there, and then had the opportunity to come back to MCC in September of 2018 um, to serve a school that I really love, and God has done a lot through the school. God has done a lot through this church, and I'm excited to be a part of both. Uh, last year was an exciting time for me. I got married this past June to my wonderful wife, Casey. I love you. I love you too. Okay. Uh, but we, we started attending Crestview in the fall, and this just felt like home for us. Uh, we attend first service, and then second service we serve with the fourth through sixth graders. And uh, it's just been a joy for us to be a part of this community. Um, also, I want to show you a picture of someone really special in my life. It's my niece, Elsie. Oh, my goodness. She's seven months old. She's crawling up a storm, and she knows two words now. She says, Mama, and she says, Hey. And... <laughs> Hey, mama, I don't know. But I'm guessing her third word is going to be Uncle Ben. I'm not sure, but that, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. If Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, I think that New Year's might be the most optimistic time of the year. The turning of, of one page to the next reminds us of the possibility of change. The start of the New Year seems like a natural time to make changes in our lives. People are hopeful about the opportunity of a new year and they're recharged and re-energized about what could be. Doesn't matter what happened last year. Doesn't matter what happened last week. Today's a new opportunity to grow, a new opportunity for us to become the best version of ourselves. And we've all heard the mantra before, new year, new me. And if that cat doesn't inspire you to become the best version of yourself, you might need to find a new church. I'm teasing. Devin get me in trouble for that one. That was a joke. I'm sorry, Devin. People have all sorts of ideas about how they want to spend their new year. When it comes to resolutions, a lot of them have to do with health. Uh, one study I read about listed the top five New Year's resolutions. Uh, number one was exercise to get in shape. Uh, number two was, was diet to lose weight. Number three was save money. Number four was eat healthier in general. And number five was something for self-care. Health and finances are always really big goals at the beginning of the new year. And I heard about a guy who prayed, Dear God, my prayer is for a fat bank account and a fit body. Please don't mix them up like you did last year. <laughs> Research says that 60% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, but only 10% keep them. Data says that more than half of people that make a resolution will say that they failed before the end of the first month. Why is that? Because a lot of times I think we'll make a goal, but we don't have a plan. I've heard it said that a goal without a plan is just a wish. And that's really true. If we don't have specific and concrete plans to make changes in our life, we're going to fall back into our old ruts. Another reason that I believe resolutions fail is because it's hard. It's hard to change our habits. 
If you've been living a certain way for your whole adult life and you decide on January 1st that you're going to change, it's going to be tough. And what we're going to discover this morning is, is we're going to rediscover our new self, the life that we have in Jesus and how that makes it possible for us to change. As Christ followers, God calls us into a new life of kingdom service, a life of reaching the lost with the gospel, a life of encouraging others in their faith and a life of growing in ours. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Solomon says that there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. And that makes sense to us. We know there are all sorts of times for all sorts of things. And the new year is a great time for us to look back so that we can better move forward. Today, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17. Um, if you have your bulletin on the back, you've got an outline that you can fill in um, to follow along if you'd like to do that, if taking notes is your thing. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians from prison, and in chapter 4, he has just encouraged his church uh, to be unified. Because Paul knows that the church is going to be far more effective if they're all uni united together under one mission. He wants all of them to be on mission with Jesus together, and he encourages them to use their gifts uh, to build up the body of Christ. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three things that it is time for all of us to do as followers of Jesus, and it's a great time to do it at the start of the new year. Let's begin in verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Number one, the new year provides for us a time to reflect. Paul is expounding upon what he's written previously in chapter four, verse one. He says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Christians are supposed to live like Christ. As Christians, we're not called to, to live like the world. We're called to something different. We're called to something greater. We're called to a life of serving and building the kingdom of God. And that's something we got to take seriously. And I think it's important for us to look back and to remember what Jesus has said about all of us and what scripture says is true about Christians. Jesus says that Christians are a city on a hill. Jesus says that we're, we're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. The apostle Paul says that we are God's workmanship, that we're citizens of heaven, that we're God's temple. And the problem is, I think a lot of times, instead of living like a city on a hill, we look just like every other city. We'd much rather blend in and stay comfortable and stand out and do what's hard. But that's not what God has called any of us to do if you love him and if you call him father. What does the world see when it looks at you? When you think about how you lived your life in 2019 and how you reacted to situations that didn't go your way, or you think about just your general attitude and the way you carry yourself, were you reflecting Jesus or 
where you're reflecting the world. I believe all of us need to take some time and to look in the mirror and to examine ourselves. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. And for some people, introspection comes really easily. For others, it's not natural at all. But regardless of our personality or our temperament, we are all called to examine ourselves in the light of the gospel. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. This is a guy that he'd mentored, a guy that he discipled, a guy that's leading a church. And this is what he says to him in 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This text is not just for pastors and teachers. It's for all of us who call Jesus Lord. We are to, to watch ourselves and to keep a close watch on how we live. The text says not to walk like the world in their futility of mind. The Christian life begins with a change in thinking. Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. In the text right here, it outlines for us three ways that sin is a slippery slope. It's a vicious cycle. Paul says, number one, for this vicious cycle of sin, it starts with wrong thinking. You begin to toy with the idea of sin. You begin to think about doing something you know you shouldn't. And so that's where it starts. It starts with our thoughts. Number two, that leads to a darkened understanding. And so you go from just thinking about sin and considering it and playing with it to rationalizing it. And before you know it, you get to number three, which is hardened hearts and a callous soul. In other words, people can go from, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. I probably shouldn't to, oh, well, I guess I might. And the next thing you know, they're living for themselves, don't care what God thinks about anymore, and they've got trapped in the pit of sin. Growing up, my senior pastor would often say, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. When When we reflect on our lives, we're always going to see things that don't line up with Jesus. We're always going to see something that doesn't quite add up. And our job as Christians is to say, hey, I'm going to correct my course and I'm going to live like Christ. Let's go back to verse 20, the end of that. You did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Number two, the new year provides for us a time to repent. Paul says living the sinful life, living the worldly life is not how we learn Christ. And I want to discuss this concept of learning Christ before we do a deep dive into repentance, because Paul is talking about something that's more than just intellectual knowledge. When the text talks about learning Christ, it implies a relationship. In Christianity, you're not learning about a theory or a formula. You're coming to know a person, and that person is Jesus. S. Lewis Johnson was a preacher for 45 years in Dallas, and he passed away in 2006, but he had this to say about learning Christ. When we learn, we go to university or college or high school, and we usually learn subjects. You say, what are you taking this semester? Well, I'm taking English. I'm taking Latin. I'm taking accounting. I'm taking philosophy. I'm taking sewing or whatever it is. Usually we learn subjects. 
Sometimes we learn persons to some extent. We say, I'm taking Shakespeare. But when we talk about Christian things, we talk about a personal curriculum in which Christ is the whole curriculum. He's the teacher and he's the textbook as well. Christians don't just have a knowledge about Jesus, we actually know him. Growing up, my favorite basketball player without question was Paul Pierce. And he played his college basketball at Kansas and he spent a Hall of Fame NBA career with the Boston Celtics. And I love Paul Pierce. I remember when I was in third grade, my, my dad came to school. This is morbid. I shouldn't be telling the story, but I am. But my dad picked me up from school and he, he told me that Paul Pierce had been stabbed. And I just remember I was devastated. I'm this little third grade kid and I'm really torn up about it because I really looked up to him because we can look up to athletes. I don't know why I shared that, but... But we look up to people, and Paul Pierce is a guy that I look up to. But I don't know Paul Pierce. You know, I, I know that he won an NBA championship in 2008. I know he's a 10-time All-Star. I know his Social Security number. I know where he sleeps at night. <laughs> okay, I don't know those things. I know a lot about Paul Pierce, but I don't actually know him. And the beauty of Christianity is that the way of salvation isn't a philosophy It's through the person of Christ. And and Jesus wants us to know him and to continue in our relationship with him and to build on that and to grow. Now we get to this idea of repentance. And repentance means taking a U-turn in your life. We turn from our sin, but it doesn't stop there. Because there are are two parts of repentance. We turn from our sin and we turn towards Jesus. Sometimes I think repentance gets kind of a bad rap in the church and it almost sounds like a dirty word. It sounds judgy, but repentance is a gift. Repentance shows us that God isn't done with us. God doesn't leave us in our sin. He he picks us up out of the pit and he sets us on a right path. Repentance means that no matter how far you've gone, no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter how many times that you're lying in bed and you're thinking, I'm not even worth anything. There's no way I can change. No matter how you feel, God is waiting and he's telling us, he's telling all of us, I love you and just come home. And when you repent, when you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus, you don't get a lecture, you get a hug. And heaven throws a party. May that be an encouragement to you. If you feel stuck in sin and you feel like there's no way you can ever get out, it's just not true. Because Jesus makes it possible. Jesus makes it possible for us to experience real change. And it starts from the inside and then manifests itself on the outside. Back to the text in verse 22 says this, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Number three, the new year provides for us a time to renew. We don't stop at putting off the old self. We take off the old and put on the new. I want you to turn to your neighbor, say, take off the old and put on the new. That was okay. I'll give you a C. Let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor, say, take off the old and put on the new. That was great. That was good. In this passage, Paul compares and contrasts the old life with the new life. 
He compares the, the worldly life to the Christian life. Futility is contrasted with truth. Darkness and ignorance versus understanding. Putting off of the old with putting on the new. And purity and lust are contrasted with righteousness and holiness. Paul talks about being separated from the life of God to be create, being created to be like him. This is about transformation. The vices of old give away to a life of Christian character. We are to take off worry and to put on a peace that surpasses understanding. We're to take off gossip and put on encouragement and kindness. We're to take off pride and put on humility. We are to take off sexual immorality and put on purity. We are to take off hatred and put on love. We are to take off apathy and put on kindness. We are to take off undisciplined lives and put on self-control. We are to take off indifference and live a life of purpose. We are to take off laziness and put on hard work. We take off the old life and we put on the new life. And we take off all of our sins and we take them off and we lay them at the foot of the cross and we put on Jesus. That's what we do. And Jesus is who renews us. The concept of renewal and repentance are intertwined throughout scripture. You cannot have one without the other because our job is we are to repent of our sins and then walk in the newness of life. Jesus is the one who renews us. Please get this. It's not about your works or your effort, but we've got to try. Jesus is able and he's willing and he wants to renew us, but we got to take steps towards him to make that happen. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. The inner man is being renewed one day at a time. I remember there was a time in my life, it was in the fall of, of 2015, and I was going through what was the hardest stretch of my life. And it's not close. And I was on staff at the church, and I remember that there was an elder there named Joel DeBoer, and I was just feeling low, feeling not worth much of anything. And I'll never forget, Joel gave me a hug, told me he loved me, told me he believed in me. And he gave me that verse. He pulled out his wallet, had it on a little piece of paper, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And he wrote on that little piece of paper, it's all about the inner man. And I can't tell you how encouraging that was for me to have a guy give me a hug, tell me he loved me, tell me he believed in me, and he wasn't giving up on me and neither was God. And I think there might be someone in our lives that we need to do the same thing. We need to give them a hug. We need to be there for them to encourage them. And maybe we got a verse and we say, hey, I just wanted to give this to you because I love you, I care for you, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you too. And when you live this life, this day-by-day renewal life, this moment-by-moment living for Christ, we stop worrying about what's going to happen in the next month or what's going to happen in the next year, and we fix our eyes on Jesus one day at a time, one step at a time. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What an amazing reminder. The old is gone and the new has come. Modern day philosopher Justin Timberlake puts it like this. (laughs) The old me is dead and gone, dead and gone. (laughs) I don't know. But, hey, thank you. Oh, man. But the old life's gone and the new life's here. And when I think about people in my life that are a great example of living in a distinctive way, of living in a way that that shows the love of Jesus to a lost and hurting and broken world, I can't help but think of my friend Ben Long. Ben and his wife, Nicole, have impacted my life um, in just a tremendous amount of ways. And for one, Ben is a prayer warrior. He's about 10 years older than me. Um, And he'll text me probably once a month. Hey, how can I pray for you? How are you doing? And another, he and his wife have had a big heart for adoption. And they have eight kids, eight kids. And they adopted five of them. And their house is crazy. It's nuts. It's ages one to 15. But it's a house that's crazy full of love too. I've been over there for dinner. And I've seen them interact with their kids. I've seen them do devotions with their children. And most importantly, I've seen them model what they're teaching. And so when I think about the new life, I think of Ben Long. And I think, hey, that's, that's a guy that I want to be like. And you know what? I want to pay it forward too. And I hope for, for you, for, for everyone in this room, I hope that you have someone like Ben Long and Nicole Long some people in your life that are a few steps ahead of you that have been following Jesus for a long time and can be a great example and a great reminder of what it means to follow Christ. And I hope that it doesn't end there. I hope that all of us would be a people that aren't just poured into, but that we go and pay it forward and we pour out as well. As we dive into this new year, as we uh, reflect on the past as we repent of our sins and as we are renewed in our walk with Christ, I want us all to think about what God has in store for 2020. What does God have for you in this next year? The last point on your outline is to take your next step. No matter where you are on your faith journey, all of us need to take our next step. Sometimes we are so far from where we want to be, we can't even see it. And we feel discouraged and we sometimes feel like, is it even worth trying? I'm here to tell you it is. Start somewhere and start today. Take your next step. You might be here and you're not even a Christian. And you're kind of exploring or you're invited to church and you're here. And for you, maybe your next step is to talk to the person who invited you to church. Talk about what you're thinking about. Maybe your next step is just to come back next week, to to get involved, to continue to seek God. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time, and for whatever reason, you've never been baptized. And for you, maybe that's your next step. You could do it today and be baptized into Christ. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is about giving. Maybe you've talked about tithing for a long time and it's something that you've wanted to do. But when you look at your finances, you're like, man, it's, it's tight as is. I don't know how we're going to give to God. And maybe you sit down 
and you, you do your budget and you start with your tithe and you work backwards. Maybe that's what you do. And maybe that's your next step to start giving. For some of you, you've come to this church for a long time, but you've never served. Maybe you're a killer guitar player and you're holding out on us. <laughs> Use your gifts for the glory of God. Join the worship team. Maybe you love kids. Join the children's ministry. Take your next step. Serve as a greeter. Maybe you're passionate about teenagers. Serve in the youth ministry. Make a difference for Jesus Christ. Whatever you're passionate about and whatever God has gifted you to do, get involved and take your next step. Maybe your next step is to attend um, one of the rooted groups that's coming up this uh, year on January 28th on Tuesday nights so, so that you can be connected to other people and more connected to God than you've ever been and you'll grow as a disciple. My wife and I are going to be doing that this fall. I'd invite you to join us. Let's do it together. Maybe you've fallen out of the habit of diving into God's word and spending time in prayer. And your next step is to renew your spiritual disciplines and get back into studying the word of God consistently and get back to praying. Take your next step this year, whatever it is. May this be the year, Crestview, that all of us collectively get closer to Jesus than we've ever been. Because I believe the best is yet to come for this church. I believe there are a lot of people in our city and in our schools and on our teams and in the office that don't know Christ and you might be that person that points them to him. Let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Let's be a people that are taking off the old and putting on the new and let's take our next steps.